On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group talks to Dave Kersner of Arc of Life. Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music, discussing the greatest progressive rock bands, album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair, and on this special episode of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friends Ken Gregory and Paul Zotter, as we welcome Dave Kersner from Arc of Life. All right. So, yeah. gentlemen, very happy to uh, to have back on the show friend of the Palaver, Dave Kersner, who really needs no introduction, but I'll give him one anyway. So, of course, as our listeners should all know, Dave Kersner is a musician, songwriter, producer, and sound designer, founder of Sonic Reality, and members of such notable bands as Sound of Contact, In Continuum, and perhaps most timely for us, arc of life dave welcome back to the show my friend thanks good to see you guys very good to see you very welcome, very happy dave. so we were talking a little bit before we got on air you had um you had teased arc of life on the palaver i guess it was probably the last time you were on and you were like it was a couple times ago was it, it was a couple times we ago? were talking about we were talking about the second in continuum album it had to have been like the fall oh, wow. of, of 2019 oh. Because I think I think we we there was another we we had another episode where we tried to we tried milk to, it out yeah, of them after that, of him, and we right. still couldn't get get it out of here. <laughs> you have to ink a squid, not milk. See, that's where you went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like it's getting a little personal. I don't know. The wrong approach. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty good holding that secret, but as I was saying earlier, like. Um, you know, if it's not my secret, I feel a little more like I have to be respectful. Um, and in this particular case, you know, the, most of the bands, I'm kind of the lead songwriter and producer or co-producer and that I'm in. Not, not always, but a, lo a lot of times. Um, and uh, in this particular project, I was added to the band after the songs were already written. And uh, a lot of the basic tracks were already recorded. So, um, and it's, you know, the arc of life is everyone in the band is either currently in Yes or played on a Yes record or is part of the Yes family, except for me. I'm like part of the, I'm part of the extended family. You know? <laughs> like, they're not exactly in Yes on the family tree. You're like a little branch. <laughs> That's my Marlon Brown. Every time I say the word family, I think of him. But, um, yeah, so although we did the, the Yes tribute, I, I co-produced that with Fernando Perdomo, uh, the 50th anniversary tribute to Yes, and, and we had a lot of, we celebrated Yes music with a lot of the members of Yes, including Jeff Downs as well, and Tony Kay, you know, some of my keyboard player uh, friends and heroes, and um, all sorts of people, even Tom Brislin also, who's a friend of mine, and then, um, of course, Billy, John, and Jay are on there, and I hadn't met uh, Jimmy yet. In fact, I didn't meet him really until Arc of Life. I really like him. He's a cool guy. I'd work with him uh, on other things too. Just 
you know, just great people. So, and I've known them for a long time, but you know, again, it's like, this is not yes, but it's an offshoot of yes. And it's all the guys from yes. So to me, I was like, all right, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be the one to spill the beans. But then John, I heard an interview with John Davidson and he did. So I was like, oh, <laughs> well, he can. And I told Billy, I told on him, I said, you know, John said something. It's like, oh, did he? <laughs> and I'm like, all right, you got, I'm just not even going to take that risk. Cause you know, sometimes people would be really like, you know, oh, no big deal. And then other times they're like, you did what? And I'm like, I was just, I, they, they decornered me. It's the progressive palaver. They're very, you know, uh, they have like Jedi mind tricks. They know sci-fi. They know a lot of things. So uh, I was good. So Dave, how, yeah, go so how did it like take us back? Because, you know, I know Billy, Billy, I think Billy played on new world, I think. Um, yeah. And then, and then, and, you know, obviously, you know, when you had hinted and, you know, I was thinking about what to be, and then it was revealed, you know, my, my mind went right to made of star. So, you know, John Davison had been, you know, in the mix. So how, how exactly did, did this all come about? Can you kind of take us back to the, well, if you really want to go back to the beginning, I do. I, I met Billy. I met Billy in the nineties. Uh, when I was playing with Kevin Gilbert, actually before that, oh, and wow. he had almost played with Kevin Gilbert, which he has a cool wow. story about as well. And um, when he had World Trade, I met him then. He gave me a CD, and uh, you know we see each other and the other guys, Jay and everybody, you know, on Cruise to the Edge often because I've I've done I think like five cruises to the edges. So uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> um, you know. And, you know, it's a good hang. It's always been a good hang. And then with Billy, uh, you know, he, he produces tribute projects on the side because it's fun. And I do as well. And then sometimes we cross over. He plays on mine that I'm producing. And I played on one of his. I played on uh, the Super Tramp one with Jolyn Turner and me, the two of us, uh, oh. doing Play Well Right. That was fun. And uh, But, you know, I, I, I hire him because uh, he's a, a great musician he could play anything and you know and especially bass he's and he's just really fast and so he's on the new uh uh mcbroom sisters album black floyd and he's yeah, just he's someone awesome I, know I can i can call if he's not on tour with yes or something like that. or even if he is he has an ik multimedia that's the company another company i work with with my company sonic reality uh makes all these gadgets that you can plug into the iphone or an, a computer laptop and like plug your guitar in with an irig and all these things and he has that whole system, iLouds, speakers, on the – he's a workaholic. And so I like workaholics because, that you know, Fernando's, Fernando Perdomo is a workaholic. Mm -hmm. So I know that, like, if I need something, I can get it, like, like a turnaround in a day or two. I'm like, can you do a track? Sure. And he has it before I'm done with the sentence. <laughs> so I've worked with him a lot. And then, yeah, he, he did guest on uh, a song called um, – on my album, New World, a song called Crossing of Fates, which was kind of a fun uh, line. That's the only song that had that particular lineup on that album, which was mm. uh, Simon Phillips on drums, who I'd never worked with before or since, but I had that one. I, I'm a big fan, and I had a chance to work with him. He's great. Um, the late, great Keith Emerson uh, traded keyboard licks with me on that, and it was kind of a tribute to him, Crossing of Fates, Three Fates, um, so that was fun. And then uh, Billy Sherwood on bass and Fernando on guitar. 
So, um, and we played it on Chris the Edge as well with him. But other than that, we really haven't had a chance. I mean, we've, we've done some uh, original songs as part of the Sonic Elements uh, tribute that's like an extension of the tribute where we have, there's a song called Trifecta that we did with Neil Peart on drums through the sample library that I produced with Neil Peart, rest in peace, another awesome, amazing musician. I'm so lucky to have met and got the chance to work with. And, uh, and we had fun with that and stuff, but then, I don't know. He had always been kind of talking about, you know, one day we'll do a band together, you know, one day, you know, we'll, we'll do something, you know, like you'll, you'll see, he just sort of like knew and I'm like, Oh, okay. You know? Um, and, um, and then, yeah, like, so in addition to that, I guess through cruise to the edge, you know, I met John Davison and, you know, let me tell you something. He's super talented and he's such a nice guy. He's just a warm, nice person. And I, I can't stay. I love John Anderson. You know, every yes band sure. loves John Anderson. Yeah. I mean, how can you not? But it's like, I really like the other singers. I like Trevor Horn. You know, drama is one of my faves. I like Trevor Rabin. And I like Benoit David too. I thought he was yeah. good. And uh, yeah. John Davidson, I think he does an excellent job. It's different than John Anderson, but to be able to sing like that, it's just incredible what he does. Yeah. So, and it's, yeah. and it complements my voice. I was saying, I might've even said on your show, how, when, when I did made of stars on the yeah. continuum yep. project, uh, where I had John Davidson. So we collaborated there, um, yep. that it sound, my voice sort of sounds like Gilmore and he yeah. sounds like John Anderson. So it sounded like Pink Floyd and yes, collaborating. And it was <laughs> yeah. like, Oh, this is so cool. <laughs> so I definitely like working with him for a lot of reasons. His, voice and his um attitude everything's just great about him just love him you know it was really kind of billy who yeah i mean i'm sure i don't know how it went with the guys i'm sure he was just like you know i know jay and i didn't know Jim, uh, jimmy so he was like hey what do you think if we get kersner to play keys you know and they were like yeah yeah you know and so they asked me to join and i said yes <laughs> <laughs> um no i mean i said i said yes because even though normally I, I, I kind of feel like I can offer, you know, I can offer more than just playing keyboards. Uh, that's not something I would usually do. In fact, it's only because of them that I did say yes. And also this idea of, look, even though we've written all these songs, the next album we're all going to write together. Or, you know, there was this kind of like, you know, getting off the ground and then um, where it could lead kind of a thing. I was, I was like, all right, okay, that's cool. And it's not that, you know, I mean, it was, I was honored to join in the sense that, you know, these are the guys from Yes, and I'm, you know, uh, I was going to say I'm not worthy, but I mean, that's a silly saying, you know, we all yeah. are. It's just, yeah. the, it just, it was kind of a fun novelty or whatever. It was kind of like, oh, this is fun. But, you know, really for me, I just kind of, I prefer to be able to offer more creatively than I was able to on this album. But, um, but in the big, but on the other hand, it's doing well, and I'm proud to be part of it. And you know, even though there's this crazy yes fan controversy stuff that I'm not used to in my little protected world of, you know, less sort of lesser known indie prog, you know, it's like all well, these people are like way too into this. But um, you know, it's not if it's not this, it's not yes. Like it's not yes anyway. Um, but. Uh, Anyway, it, it's cool. It's 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 kind they of. They just need fun. to hear your heart of the sunrise. They're, they're just going to drag you over the coals until you play something really difficult. I'm happy to play something difficult. I'm up for the challenge. Although I got to say, 
I'm pretty good friends with Jeff Downs, and I had the chance. Who's I grew up? Was one of my heroes, and uh, it's really fun to be friends with me. He invited me and his wife invited me to stay at his house for like a month or a couple of weeks or whatever in Wales. And he was learning relay mm. and he was showing uh. me how, how he was doing it. And I was like, you know, I was thinking to myself, this guy doesn't get the credit he deserves. I know Rick Wakeman's amazing. He is, yeah. but it's like Jeff Downs, he's learning some hard parts from Patrick Mraz and, and, and Rick Wakeman. You know, and his own style is a bit different than that. Yeah. But he's brave. I admire him. I, you know, he's just like, oh, I've got to do the work. And he's like sitting there figuring it out. It's, and he's into it too. One of the things I love about him and a lot of these guys, uh, you know, that I know, because I don't really know Steve Howe, but, but I know, you know, I know Billy John, Jay, um, and Jeff. They, they're yes fans. Like Jeff was like fascinated with Pat with what Patrick had done. It's like listen, listen to this. They were listening to the to the tracks. It's like listen, listen to that. That's cool, huh? I'm like, yeah, it's <laughs> awesome because we were like listening to isolated tracks and stuff, and and it was it was an amazing experience as well as a keyboard player. Was, like it's surreal. I'm like I'm sitting here with Jeff Downs right. picking apart old yes songs. Like wow. thank you. So, uh, you know. <laughs> How to give Jeff any like crib sheets or anything like that? He just said here here are the tracks. Go go figure it out. He didn't have any. He, uh, you know, he had some like ins and things like that. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't. I think even Stephen Wilson might have helped him or whatever. Oh, like, because like, he has he mixed the remix it. Or, I don't know. Yeah. But either way, <laughs> nice. um, I'm just picturing was, like Jeff Downs, like you know, like we all did when we were a kid with like the cassette. You know, hit play, like noodle a little bit, go back, rewind, hit play again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's kind of like that i mean in a way yeah and so from that standpoint too you know again like you know when you're a musician yourself or a synth programmer or an engineer or anybody in the music world you can kind of appreciate the effort and then sometimes fans are so dismissive like oh he sucks i'm like are you kidding me <laughs> like do you know how hard it is even like when people talk about john davison like you yeah. try singing those songs man yeah. oh, like wow. every night the guy's amazing so mm -hmm. it's just that mm -hmm. John Anderson's just a wonder, you know, it's, it's hard to really step into his shoes, but still like they do a great job. Billy Sherwood does a great job filling in uh, Chris's spot, you know, very few people could, could really pull that off. And, and he does, I think a fantastic job. Um, you know, it's never going to be the same, but it's, I enjoy it and I take it for what it is. You know what I mean? Like also like, cause uh, Alan White, I love Alan White, but you know, he is older. He, he can't, can't physically do it. So He's there just because if you love Yes, it's like, well, he's there and he can play yeah. on some songs and then you have yeah. Jay to carry the weight. And it's even the same like with Genesis. You know, people, there's going to be fans who are like going to complain it's not the same. It's like, well, of course it's not the same. But if you love Genesis, I'd go to just see him stand on a stage, just talk. <laughs> you know, I, I yeah. just love him. You know, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm just kind of old school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But... Well, yeah, I, th I think you have to sort of, you know, understand and accept, you know, whatever part of it it is that you can get now, because yeah. we can't we can't exactly. get in our time machine and go back to you know nineteen seventy six no. and, and have all those experiences. So, so you were saying at the top of this when when you when the guys called you and invited you into Arc of Life, obviously the the songs have been written. All the songs are credited to Sherwood and Davison. Um, right. You said most of the recording had been done. So, but you also indicated 
you know, there, there are plans for, you know, a, a next album and, 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 and writing together collaboratively is, so this is, this is a, a, a viable ongoing sort of project. Yeah. I mean, that's the plan. You never know. Obviously there's no guarantees of anything, but when I joined, that was sort of part of the allure to it because again, like I look, I, I like you guys, we've talked before. So, you know me, like I, I do get a kick out of working with people from bands that I like and, and all that kind of stuff, but I'm not here to show off or for the novelty factor or for the bragging rights and all that stuff. Really. That's like an icing on the cake. Sure. The cake to me yeah. is I just love making music. I love playing live. I love recording music. I love producing. I love engineering. I love playing keyboards and singing. I love singing too. And, and writing lyrics. So all of those things. And here, you know, I, I'm just the keyboard player which is underusing what I think I have to offer, but only because of the situation of uh, Billy and John created the band, even just from the fact that they were on the tour with Yes on the bus, writing together, not knowing what it was going to be. Maybe it was going to be Yes album, and then they listened to it, and they're like, I don't know if this is really for Yes, per se. Why don't we just make a band? And then they, you know, they're like, oh, we'll have Jay, you know, and we'll, we'll get Jimmy. You know, they've worked with him before, and they're like, hey, let's get Kersner finally. Let's get him. Because you know, if they got Tony K, it would be Circa, you know. Right. So it's like, what is it? So it's, it became a band because they had songs. Uh, so I understand that. And then Billy was like, you know what? We have a record deal. I mean, I walked right into, you know, we have a manager. It's Yes's manager. We have an agent. We have a record deal. You want to be in this? It's like, okay, okay. yes, I do. Actually. <laughs> I'm, I'm used to being the one who has to pay everybody too. Right. It's like, oh, and you you get paid by. You don't have to pay anybody. You get paid. I'm like, really? I get paid. <laughs> so uh, it's a neat, it's a tool, it's a cool, fun sort of other approach to the whole thing. And and we're on the charts right now, you know. And it's like I don't even know if my albums make it in the charts. I don't even look. I I, I kind of I need to, but like this is in the charts. I'm like, oh, well, I can, you know. I mean, that's cool. What charts? I have no idea. But I'm like, it's in some charts. Maybe Fred's chart. You know, French Broad Chart. No, it's like in some different indie breakers thing and all these different things. So it's a fun ride. I'm curious to see where it goes. Um, you know, I have seen a polarized response, but I have to say that's educational too. Just like a reality check of like, you know, you can't please everybody. And there are people who are really digging it and um, enjoying it and, and thrilled about also let's say people who also know about me, some people don't know about me and they're discovering me through it. So that's kind of cool. That's I've cool. heard some people say that and that makes me feel good. It's kind of like, I discovered your music and I really like it. I'm like, all right. You know, I respect that. You know, someone who kind of, you know, like us probably, you know, reads the liner notes and sees yeah. who's in the band and checks out their stuff and, and, uh, discovers. So that's cool. And, but I think the, the, the most exciting things in this band to me will be when we can play live because I think it'll be a really good live band right. and, um, you know, tight and just very yeah. energetic. And, and mm -hmm. you know, if we do a yes medley or something, whatever we do, it'll be like choice. And I just want to do the, the piano solo from South Side of the Sky and nice. try to work that in there because I love that. I love it. <laughs> okay. And uh, we'll see. And then, um, but then the next album, I think, um, you know, the fact that it is successful. You know, even if you see, let's say, prog bands complaining out here and there, like they have since Open Your Eyes or whatever, the reality is, is that 
the label's happy, the management's happy, you know, like it's doing well. So it's kind of like, listen, that's, <laughs> you know, means something. It's a yeah. business. Yeah. You know, yeah. Dave, so, let's talk about the management because, you know, yeah. no man is an island. You know, Billy Sherwood is very resourceful and very well known, but he still uh, tapped into the big guns to make this happen. Derek Schulman is a kingmaker of sorts. And uh, Serafino of Frontier Records is one of the few people that, you know, really knows how to leverage uh, uh, the industry right now under the current conditions. So, so you guys are, 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 are pretty well hooked up. So, so yeah. H how is it being under that team? I've never met Derek, although I'm a huge Gentle Giant fan. And uh, I met Kerry Manier, came to see my show because we had his daughter, Sally Manier, and Dave Bainbridge open for my band, Dave Kersner Band, my solo group in Europe. And I met Malcolm Mortimer, the original drummer from Gentle Giant. And I never met Derek, but you know, I know that Billy's tight with Derek and that Derek was helpful in guiding the, the project early on, actually. Um, and like I said, when I, when I was saying most of it was recorded, uh, uh, you, you're talking about like these, these kind of albums these days rarely are made where the whole band is in the same room, yeah. especially in a pandemic. But this was made before the pandemic. And, and even then, there's a lot of like, a lot of times, you know, somebody's in the same room with the drummer, maybe. So like Billy probably tracked bass with the drums. Uh, but there's a lot of overdubs and tracks that get sent in. And that's typical. Even like the, the, the albums that I do, Nick Virgilio or Marco Miniman are usually like in another in their own studio, a separate studio, even though I have a nice studio and I could record great drums here, but I never get a chance to use, use it <laughs> yeah. because the drummers I want to use are just wherever they are. And it's like, well, it's because of them. It's not just any drummer will do. So yeah, it's cool uh, to me. Like I said, you know, I'm, we, uh, with sound contact, we were on inside out and that's another big player uh, in, you know, as far as record labels in the current, you know, prog scene or whatever. And they've only gotten bigger since then. And Frontiers is, is a great label for just action, a lot of stuff going on. And, um, yeah. you know, my other records, I've, I've been, I've done a co-op uh, release on a few things like Static and, and um, uh, a, a compilation CD of mine called Breakdown mm -hmm. um, with uh, Cherry Red um, Records, which has been cool. And also with Yes's management involved in, in, in that. Mm -hmm. So... I've dabbled here and there, but I got to say, well, this time I'm walking into, it's all set up. Like literally, even with Sound of Contact for a period of time, I was the manager. Then we had Marillion's manager for a little while, but it was like, it was kind of like building and this is already like plug and play. I'm like, I walk in and it's like, okay, we have a publicist, we have this and that, that, yeah, that you know? Yeah. And I'm like, cool. I like that. I, I really do. And, and, um, it's fun to be a part of it uh, and learn. I'm, uh, you know, like that's part part of the fun of this to me is always just kind of like, especially in an ever changing music industry too, because you know it's it's not always easy with, with streaming companies paying small royalties. And we just saw the other day uh, there was like this this thread, an email thread with John Young and Simon Collins, myself, John Beely, and a bunch of people. Uh, going oh by the way there's a pirate site selling all, or giving away all of your albums yeah 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 yeah, yeah right come on man um and <laughs> you know and there's yeah. even like a company that pressed my cd new world and oh, they no. made a food like of it and they did an excellent wow. job and i'm like 
And the only reason I knew about it is that someone was showing a picture of it and it was in a jewel case. And I'm like, I never put that in a jewel case. Huh. And I actually traded the guy. I said, you might, can I, I mean, you're not in trouble or anything. He, he just bought it. He didn't know. That's and funny. so I said, would you want to trade that for the deluxe edition real one? I'll sign it to you and everything. And like, he's like, sure. So I have it and I kind of have it almost like, like I look at, I'm, I'm, I try to see things positively, even though it's totally <laughs> messed up that they're ripping me off. Right. I'm like, well, I've made it to a level where they're spending money to rip me off. <laughs> they pressed it up, made it look nice. That's like a compliment. There you go. That's a good segue to the fans though, because Prague, Prague metal, metal, uh, those markets are still selling product. And then that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, I was just talking about that with a friend of mine, with Randy McStein, actually. We talk, we, 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 we have these chats um, and about the industry and this and that. Uh, of course, because I just asked this question, one of those golden questions that a lot of musicians are like, what are they going to say? What's the answer? And the question on my Facebook was, what do you guys, what would you rather have? A couple EPs scattered throughout the year? or wait till the end of the year or something and have one album, one 10 song album. And the response was majority was the album. They were, people wanted the album. And I, I kind of like, every, you know, we, we grew yeah. up, you know, especially the demographic. So, uh, people who grew up listening to albums and stuff and there's all these reasons, but, um, so wait, we were talking about that, but then what was the question? Sorry. Well, wasn't selling media. I mean, you've done it yourself. Oh, you yeah, saw a lot yeah. of media as a solo artist, and, and now you're yeah. selling even more That's, media. Yeah. We're lucky. Well, first of all, we're lucky that this demographic, the Prague fans and stuff, tend to be a bit older, and they do want an album, and they want a physical copy, too, which is something that if you want it, unless, of course, like I said, there's even people who will do a bootleg of that, a studio version. You know, it's one thing if they did bootlegs. I, when I grew up, I, I, I liked bootlegs of live shows because it was kind of like, more extra but it never replaced me buying their actual albums <laughs> right you know but like right. this is like you know i still bought seconds out it's not like i bought the boot like oh, i don't need their seconds out recorded mixed you know with a soundboard i'd rather have an audience recording <laughs> but um you know the uh anyway I, I think it's a good thing i think there's a small it's it's an economy of scale thing where you know you might sell everybody's selling less albums these days but if you're selling more sort of swag and deluxe editions or physical copies vinyl if you do that i don't i don't do vinyl yet but that's a tricky thing because of the length that per side and stuff but it's another right. topic right. but yeah i think it, it, there's a business to and i gotta say and i i'm very kind of close with my fan base at least at my level there's this love and gratitude. They know that I'm grateful, that I appreciate them. And they know that when they buy, they're so nice. Like they even say stuff like, where should, where can I buy this? Someone had actually emailed me. It was cute. And said, where can I buy this arc of life? So you guys get the maximum amount of money. Right. I was like, well, this one's through a label and everything. We don't even sell it direct. So I mean, pretty much anywhere. We won't see anything. <laughs> but uh, no, whatever it is, trickles down. But uh, but when you know I release an album independently and they buy it on sonicelements.bandcamp.com, brought right. to you by, no, yeah. uh, sponsored by. Uh, no, when you buy it direct from the artist, you really are affecting, yeah, you know, their return on the investment, especially someone like me who like acts like I'm freaking Alan Parsons. I'm like, I think I'll get this guy and that guy and a little orchestra down that section. I'm like, dude, where's this budget coming from? And it's coming from either kickstarter or pre-orders of Bandcamp, or just people who love it 
and want the artists to to have the funds to be able to do these kinds of things. So right. it's cool. Right. That way. Yeah, it is. It is funny though. It's funny that you asked the question. I saw that post and I was curious to see what the responses would be too. But you know, it's funny that you're talking about it with you and like Randy McStein because the two of you guys are so prolific. You could probably put out a ten song album every couple of months mm-hmm. without without breaking a sweat. And and um, you know, Fernando, I was going through a phase during last year's pandemic where you know I would buy something from. Is Fernando. it last year's pandemic? This year's pandemic well, too. <laughs> you know, you know, during that time. But I was going through this phase where like I would I would buy something from Fernando and then I would listen to it for like a week and then and then I would buy something else and then I would listen to it for a week. So for like five straight weeks, I would like order one CD and like I think the last CD came in in like I don't even know how it got to me because it looked like he had just like written my address so quickly on on the envelope and like shoved the CD and then send it. I'm thinking. Oh my God, this poor guy. He's probably thinking, why doesn't this guy just buy it all at once? Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's hard to keep up. It's hard to keep up with some of the prolific. I, I love Fernando. I love him. He's one of the most genuine, pure, you know, just sweet and gen- just artist. You yeah. know, he's just a great guy. I don't really like his approach. I, I, I wouldn't do that. I can't do that. I'm just different. He's very like spontaneous and like, hey, I wrote yeah. an album. I uh, was listening to uh, you know an album, and I just wrote an album now, and it's out now. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, and it's like, well, it's cool. That's his thing, and there's nothing wrong with that. And and, and um, you know, it's it. The be- there's benefits, and then there's drawbacks. To me, it's like I just and I just sort of can't help it. But like, I like to spend more time crafting things to chisel away at it and just get it to be like, just just right. Not a masterpiece, but I think yeah. that's sort of your your job is to for you to do your best and make it like your little mini masterpiece and then release it into the wild. Yeah. And, you know, probably I maybe I, I take a little too long and somewhere in between Fernando and I is the ultimate, you know, way to be like, a little faster, Dave. You know, some people have been waiting several years for me to finish some mixes and they're like, okay, oh, Mr. Perfectionist, maybe yeah. Fernando's got the right idea and you're the asshole. So maybe, <laughs> is that okay that I said that word? Anyway, um, about myself i guess so was it hard like i mean it's kind of funny because you now you've got it both ways right because with arc of life they're basically like here dave just do this for us real quick was it hard because i know we've talked in the past about process where you know you're editing marco's drum tracks and changing the time signatures and you're like oh you know what i think i'll put a keyboard solo in the middle of this song and i mean clearly i mean i mean production wise i mean it, it is produced with Billy's stamp, you know, his, it's definitely his production. So was it frustrating at all? It sounds like you're cool with it. You're like, this is awesome. I'm doing what I can do and and let's move on to the next thing. Was it hard at times to be like, oh, you know, I wish I could put a solo here. I'll tell you something interesting that I learned myself even, I kind of knew, but I sort of proved to myself. If I'm not writing the songs, it's not as precious to me. You know, the sound of contact, that was deeply, I was deeply rooted in that. And everything that went right or wrong in that band was joyful or painful because it was just so like, meant so much to me. And this, um, you know, not having written a note and not no lyrics or anything, it was just kind of like, hey, whatever you guys want me to do, it was easy for me to just step back and let them do whatever they wanted. And, and you know, there are a lot of things I would do 
differently if they said, hey, Dave, why don't you, uh, why don't you mix this and you know, why don't you do your thing? I would love that, actually, to be honest, but uh, I don't expect it. I don't think it's like you can't have too many cooks in the kitchen. And yeah. like when I played with Kevin Gilbert, he never asked me to do that. So I would have loved to have done that then. But it's like that was his there's like there's like a leader in a band. Usually there kind of needs to be one. It can't be two or three of them, really. And so Billy's kind of like an alpha. I'm an alpha, too, but I kind of just chill out. And so it's like an exercise in restraint for me and not be like, mm-hmm. you know, but there's no ego uh, oriented like I need to have my way. And I, it's, it's nothing like that. It's really just kind of like. I feel like, well, if they asked me to, I could contribute some of my taste and style in whatever, uh, arranging any of, the, any of the things that I normally do. Uh, but, you know, I wasn't asked, so I don't need to be pushy and I don't want to be like annoying or anything. You know, it's kind of like I'm, I'm honored to be part of it. And the next album, you know, if I do co-write the songs, I'll probably feel a little bit more like, protective it's a weird thing that happens it's like a almost like a, i don't want to get all you know but look at i don't know like a spiritual thing or yeah. some kind of like they're your babies and they're like i need to make sure that this song makes it to the finish line sounding yeah. with the vision that and so where these were, weren't my vision anyway so it's kind of like but that said i did have and i haven't revealed this but um like a, a fantasy of like like the, the, but I don't think they would let me do this. But like, um, <laughs> like doing what Trevor Horn did from with Fly from Here. Not that oh, I would wow. sing it, but that I would just be like, "Can I do my version?" You know, and they're like, "No, get the keyboard player. Get back in your square." Um, you know what I mean? Oh wow! Like, let me just mess with it though. I could probably do a full few things, but it's like nah, I don't need to. It's again, it's not an ego thing, and it's you know, if they asked me to, I would absolutely give every my best and everything I could do. And I would love to be asked to do more. But, you know, in this particular situation, like I said, it was like, already got a record deal. You don't have to, you just have to show up, sure. you know, and, yeah. and be part of it and um, follow along. And and that's cool. And, you know, we'll see where it goes. Well, very nice. I mean, you know, I, <laughs> if I may speak on behalf of the Palaver, you know, I'm really keen for getting another collaboratively written arc of life album because one of the things you know when when we learned you know about all of this you know after you know you had teased it and everything else it's like oh this is going to be great and you know quite honestly i think we would like to see a little bit more kersner in this um you know Man. and so so I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm keen to see what happens when when you get to sort of you know mix your spices into yeah. the soup thanks i i I kind of feel slightly, I don't know if guilty is the right word, but I've mixed feelings about, you know, coming onto the project and especially because I didn't know, and I'm kind of honored, but the way they were going to market it is like, it's a super group. The guy's pissed <laughs> and the guy from Sound of Contact created, he calls this. And I'm like, well, that's, that's not really, that's what it could have been. It would have been kind of cool if it was Yes Meet Sound of Contact or something, but yeah. it's not. It, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's Billy and John's songs and, you know, everyone else is, you know, ornamental in a sense because it's, you're, you're, you know, whereas what Billy's idea was is for the next album is, uh, you know, like, you know, like when we can all get together and things are better, 
let's see what happens. And I'm like, oh, that, that, that could, that could be what you're <laughs> yeah. maybe we're expecting. But, but then, yeah. you know, here's another thing too. And, and I, I think in a way, you know, especially with these guys, because these guys, you know, they're in yes, they're actively still in yes. And yes, is a big band with a lot of normally a lot of activity um, that, we're lucky kind of that this also exists when they're that busy doing all these other things. And yeah. Billy's got all these other project prog, prog collective. Billy's and got a new things. project every other day. It seems like. Yeah. Yeah. He's, well, he's a workaholic at least, but still for a whole band to exist, it's kind of like we had to start somewhere. Yeah. And it's more, yeah, yeah. I got to say too, this is interesting. I love talking to you guys. We didn't get to the expanse yet, so I hope this is the extended long version. No, but uh, maybe we'll just keep talking off the off air. Just kidding. Um, but uh, it's lonely in the pandemic. We, we released bonus episodes, so yeah. we use oh, it all. Cool. All right. I, I had this conversation. I, I could say because I don't think it's really going to happen, but I was putting together a group, and everyone said yes. It was me, Steve Hackett, Ray Wilson, Ray and – like Nick D. Virgilio or Near Z on nice. drums, and like maybe Billy Sherwood on bass or or somebody. I'm sure he would say yes to that because he'd be all into it. Uh, or Matt Dorsey maybe, and sure. like yeah, you know, Steve was into it. Ray was into it. I'm like, oh yeah. But it's like, where do we start? You know, like <sighs> someone's got to start the songs, and you know, I'm in catch up mode for my own stuff. And then when I write songs, sometimes they're so personal. I'm like, I can't just. I got to sing this or, you know, even with in continuum, sometimes I struggle. Like my next solo record has mostly Marco and Nick on drums and, and some of Matt on bass and Randy and Fernando, but like it could be an in continuum album, but it's a solo album. It's, I have to sing it. They're very personal songs. So even that I struggle with sometimes. And so like this whole thing, I need to like almost like have uh, a complete, just like like a month or two of just you know and and then it's like am i gonna write it i mean i could send tracks to ray and maybe it'll happen someday uh but it's just and then they're so busy all of them and pretty successful in what they do that it's like granted if a label came along and said oh here's the money you need to do that you know <laughs> then that probably would be like yep okay we'll we're, we're off to work yeah, right. whereas i don't think that way i think i'm doing it anyway because i love these guys and we all get along like each other and and uh and like to want to work together so that's all i need and i have a studio here and i can do the things independently but there's like the time and the investment in the songs and then the so you have to see the songs to the end and i must say also i'm a little traumatized uh, over the years of like situations where a song is not in my control to be finished. And even if I take a long time, I know that like, I will finish this. It's my responsibility to the muse, to the song, to, to get it out there. And even, even my next solo record has songs that we were working on for dimension on mm -hmm. that didn't make it on dimension on. We're just in limbo all this time. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to finish them. And they're finally going to be, out in the wild as intended and um so anyway you know like you have these ideas and there's other projects i have another project with john davison that probably will happen because we're sending tracks back and forth fernando's involved in that it's this different thing it hasn't been announced yet it's somebody else from a famous band but you know so there's even that <laughs> and that and that, and that that could be arc of life but it's kind of like yeah but fernando's involved and it's and he's a big part of it and and yeah. uh it's you know, but I'm getting my creative jollies 
and it's kind of very yes-ish too. In fact, it's more like old yes. Eddie offered. I've got this whole system oh. here where I'm I'm trying to recreate uh, ad vision and some of the really? close to the edge wow. audio stuff. I'm nice. way into this. So ironically, when people want that <laughs> kind of thing, I'm like, well, I'm way into that. You know, that's <laughs> like crazy into that. So well, you opened um, the door, um, Dave. If you could talk about the time that you edited Tales from Topographic Oceans, <laughs> could you explain uh, what you were doing there? That's amazing. I it was actually a fun. Uh, Fernando and I both edited Tales. I was just listening <laughs> to it a lot, and uh, I was kind of like, you know, I like it a lot. There's some great moments on it, yeah. But there was some things that were kind of sloppy on the tuning and timing and maybe some parts that were just could lose a little reeling in a little bit, like the, the topographic fish to be reeled in a little, not, not that much, but like maybe the ancient this is a little, you know, tedious and, um, you know, compared yeah. to close to the edge is a perfect album. Yes. yes. Sonically and musically and Bill Brewer, Jesus. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and fragile. I love it. And, and, and Eddie offered man on those two albums. Yeah. Just yeah. genius. And, and he played the work. most important instrument, the razor blade, you know? Yeah. Razor blade and also just the, you know, I was talking about this too. This is a huge thing for me. I was reading an interview with Stephen Wilson, actually. And it was about mixing, remixing close to the edge. And the, there was this part where the guy was like, How did you get it to sound exactly like the record engineering wise? <laughs> and he said, Well, back then they got that sound on the tape. So when you just throw up the faders, 90% of it is just right there. (laughs) Like we don't do that anymore these days. First of all, we don't record the tape, but even besides that, the way albums were made back then, Eddie Offer was probably in the control room smoking a doobie or something and (laughs) bored while the band was running through these 10 minute songs over and over. So it was like, let me go get this sound. And he got an amazing sound. He's sitting there mixing it while they're playing it. And then just recorded it that way. And yep. Yep. um and nailed it. So that's why I've got all this analog gear because I'm kind of like, all right, let me try to track it like I'm in a Sunset Sound Studio or or Advision or any of those studios and get the sound and capture it and then mix it sort of like how Stephen Wilson mixes it, where he has the the tracks from the <laughs> album like sounding, and then he's just got to do some balancing and some automation things. Yep. So he would Eddie offered just got some great sounds. They were in, you know, that was a great studio too. And plus, you know, credit to the band. You, you could hear the instruments, you know, when you listen to a song like fragile uh, and, and you're like, not fragile, sorry, uh, roundabout or an album like fragile. Uh, but let's say roundabout, you know, you hear the bass in a way that you usually don't hear the bass, but yeah. see, I was playing an acoustic guitar. So it's got a lot of room and you just hear yeah. the bass, the bass is the, the distorted instrument. That's just genius to me. And the way, and then I was listening to analyzing like what parts are doubled and what's not. And these days, especially being a keyboard player, it's like everything should be stereo. Everything should be double, triple, you know, and yeah. most people think that way. And now I'm kind of like, no, no, no. The, the trick is to like, you know, some dynamic, be dy- dynamic over the song, some things are doubled and layered and some things aren't. And so when they are in contest, you're like, ah, oh, you're like, oh, wow. And then it goes back. Anyway, getting back to topographic. Fails. Yeah. I yeah. Did, did you, the, did you dare Fernando or did he dare you or? I don't know. We were just talking about, it. I forget who was who first. We were just talking about, you know, prog nerds talking about, you know, <laughs> oh, it's all my, 
no, it could be. It's got some good moments, and like you know, so he did a drastic edit, way more than me. I, I was cut, and he was like, "No, cut this, cut that, whatever." Like this is my version, and I'm like, "Oh, that's interesting." And then I did it where I, I tried to keep as much as I could. I even tuned the guitar with this program called Melodyne, and I was just curious to see if I could do it because I didn't have the multi track. That's when I caught and you I on Facebook Live. It, yeah, right? yeah, with the Melodyne. And the other thing is they didn't have Melodyne back then, so I imagined in my head. That there was this conversation, like that's a little out of tune. Like, no, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. <laughs> and you're like, oh yeah, well, I happen to have this software. Like, as soon as you see it, this much out of tune. You know, I didn't have that back then. But now I'm like, oh yeah, it is out of tune. Look, see. And then when you fix it, it's like, okay, that sounds be much better to me. And there was other other things that I did. You know, um, there was a few moments where, jokingly, because again, I am a big fan. But, uh, you know, where Alan White, it sounded like somebody tripping down the stairs holding a bunch of drums. <laughs> it just was done quickly and it wasn't as tight. Bruford was always tight. Chick, 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 so tight yeah. that the snare is like, like it's, the snare is tight. Just hitting the snare yeah. once. Yeah. It's in the pocket. But, but I love Alan White. And Alan White has a, a power. To his tom, so I actually really like that, like one section where it sounds like Duke's travels or the other way around. But there's a few one, a few sloppy ones in there. So again, you know, they recorded all live these long songs. They had, they didn't have Pro Tools and all these things we have where we could slide things and nudge. So, but we do now. And Stephen Wilson was a purist, and he did the right thing, not messing with that because people would probably be mad, and probably people would be a little mad. At Fernando and my little, uh, you know, <laughs> sacrilege uh, thing. And at the, in the end, we actually, because we work with the S's management, we asked, you know, Martin Darville, we're like, who's the you know, manager? And I said, what do, you, what do you think if we would just put this out there? And he's like, I wouldn't. Is that, <laughs> not, not that he, he understood that it was kind of like fun and, and that some people would really like it or whatever. And it's, but he's like, ah, I, I, it's not worth, you know. So like, we were like, yeah, you're right. Forget it. You know, <laughs> it was just an exercise uh, that really has no purpose. Uh, but it, it was fun to do. And I, I will say this one thing. And for what it's worth, you know, to musicians out there listening and stuff, if I was to teach a songwriting course or teach a course in producing music and stuff, I would say this. I would say any album, any song that you like, <clears throat> you have to have a duality in the sense that you yeah you can put it on a pedestal and go this is classic this is untouchable this is perfectly imperfect or whatever it is and at the same time you go okay but what if you were in the band and that was a new song being written right now topographic oceans you're in arc of life or yes or whatever and this is the and they ask your opinion because you know they'd have to ask your opinion and like would you say i'll shorten that a little bit so you have to be able to understand the music no matter who did it, whether it's the legends of the past or your right. current bandmates or whatever, to be able to say, to know, to hear what you would do. I think it's yeah. a good exercise. So it was a good exercise to take topographic and go, all right, I like Close to the Edge, like Fragile a lot. I love those two. And Relayer and topographic falls a little short sonically, uh, although the remixes helped out a little bit. And, uh, and a few of these moments that are out of tune, out of time, whatever, and, and, and maybe go on a bit. So what would I do if, if, if uh, that was in my mind, like if Topographic Ocean would be written right now and they asked my opinion, I was the keyboard player or something or the producer. And so that's, that's, what I, that's how I approach those things. Now let's talk about The Expanse. <laughs> All right. 
Well, Before I, I we do that, it. though, Dave, there, there's some. There's we we have to play a little bit of a game. Before, okay. Before we go to the next step, so so Dave, one of our most recent episodes, we did something called Genesis by the Numbers. So you mentioned Genesis earlier, and Joe took it upon himself to investigate all 15 studio Genesis albums, all 152 tracks, all 13 hours and 31 minutes, and he did an extensive analysis on several components of of Genesis music. And so it was it he showed it to us one night before we we did our normal episode and we turned it into our own special episode. We we know that you're a big Genesis guy. So there there's some fun fun questions we're going to ask you about Genesis by the numbers. And we're going to see we're going to see what you think cuz some of it is just quite revelatory. So Okay. Are you ready? From Genesis to Revelation, revelatory. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Okay, we'll start with we'll start with the easy question. So considering the vocalists of Genesis, John Davison, Benoit David. Oh no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. So there are there are uh, Joe calculated the amount of time of songs that vocalists sang. So one of the vocalists came in at seven hours three minutes and 49 seconds. And the other prominent vocalist came in at five hours, 16 minutes and 53 seconds. Can you pick which one was which? Phil was the, the seven hour, but it might be Peter. Like maybe it's a trick question. Definitely was not Ray. It was definitely not Ray. Was not Ray. <laughs> that I know. Hence the quandary. Well, is it Bill seven? That is actually Peter Gabriel, believe it or not. I, I knew it. I yes. knew it. Because it's all those <laughs> yeah. long songs. It's all those long songs. Uh, okay. Well, there you go. So this Although is exactly... I'm surprised because there's a lot. There were a lot more instrumental sections. Uh, you well, know, where Peter Gabriel was playing like a bass drum that no one really asked for or needed. True. Or can so, hear. I don't think they mic'd it up. I think like, yeah, here's is a bass drum. It's kind. Of, it's kind of like John Anderson's guitar on stage sometimes. Kind of like right? that. But, yeah. but but just to be clear, this is not the amount of time they actually sing in a song. It's the amount of time the songs in which the person appears as the main yes. singer. So. Oh, that's not fair. That's different. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is different. Their vocal. I should yeah. have framed the question differently. Phil would be more. Yeah, Sorry. Phil, Phil probably yeah. would be more, but I didn't have that oh, kind of time. Oh, that's not fair. I, I call a, a recount on that or a re... <laughs> All right, go ahead. I'm kidding. All right. What that shows you is that, you know, Peter showed up on these longer, proggier songs, whereas Phil, you know, but it, whatever. Carry on, Paul. Yes, yeah. yes. And we okay. saw how that turned out. He's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> on my songs, you know, if I'm not singing, I'm playing the CP70. How you doing? Um, <laughs> like, he would never, Tony, like, did you ever see the Kevin Gilbert, uh, Giraffe, me, Nick DiVirgilio, and Stan Cody and Dan Hancock, we did, like, the Lamb and at the very, there's a video. Actually, it's not online anymore. But anyway, there the, at the end, we after it, we did uh, at, at a Prague Fest in '94. We did Watcher of the Skies, and Kevin comes over, and I play the Meltdown, and he plays the organ. And I thought to myself, "There's just no way <laughs> that Tony Banks would be like, Pete, my buddy, come on, <laughs> play the organ. Like, here, here's a bass drum that's not mic'd up. Get out of here." <laughs> Oh, I love it. Go fly with your bat wings and, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Here's a flute. So, all right. One <laughs> of the things that, that Genesis is perhaps criticized for is 
is uh, in their, in their, their number of pop songs that they have. Now, this is somewhat subjective because Joe went through and labeled what he decided was pop songs or not, but, but we, we think it's pretty good. We think it's pretty good. Thinking about the Genesis catalog, if you had to say, if you had to pick a percentage of songs that were pop songs in the catalog, what, what would you say the percentage would be? And we'll ballpark it for you. Give me a range. 15, 20%. Ooh, right on the money. Dave Kersner, 17.8%. Yeah, which is which we we thought was a, a very small amount for as much perhaps criticism that they've received for for that. Yeah, but when you talk about like the amount of airplay that they got, probably ninety percent of them were those pop songs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so just true. Okay, now for the now for the 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 rapid fire question. We'll we'll put ten seconds on the clock for you. Yeah. Another thing that Genesis may or may not have been criticized for is the song fade, right? End, end of the song. They just Calling fade. all stations. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. So there are 88 songs in the Genesis catalog that fade. 88 songs. I was just going to say name five. I think Calling All Stations. The lady, all li the lady lies. Not all lies. The lady just lies. And calling all stations, you know, any any song on there has a quick fade. Unfortunately, um, don't like the fades on that record. I love Nick Davis though, and I love Ray Wilson. I think those guys are great, but yeah. the fades were a little uh, like what happened. Yeah. Um, and um, I don't know, fading distance lights probably has a fade. Uh, I don't know if we counted that one, but yeah, it does have say a fade. It's all right, Joe. Uh, trick of the tail. Yeah. Wow. Well done. Yeah. Not even breaking a sweat. I love it. And, and well, Fernando and I are co-producing a, a Genesis tribute album this year. Right. That that goes from the first album from Genesis to Revelation. He did. He did those. We split up the like we did with the Yes tribute. Oh, wow. He did a couple redone tracks from the first record, and so we're doing a whole bunch through with all sorts of cool people. Francis Dunnery, John Mitchell, and Nat Sylvan's on it, and all, all, you know a lot, a lot cool. of people in the Genesis world are related. And uh, but so I'm very kind of current on the yeah on the brain. <laughs> so then, so then as a bonus, so you you're familiar with what we like to describe here at the Palaver as Genesis whimsy, uh, the some of the whimsical nature of some of the songs and and lyrics and and approaches to to their songs. So there is one song that is it's sort of it's sort of the triple threat. It's got it's got whimsy, it's a pop song, and at the same time, it's totally culturally misappropriate. Oh, illegal alien. Boom. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Not hard, eh? You know what's interesting about that song? There's a cool, I don't know if it's still up, but there was a cool video somehow that got online. Uh, of the making of the mom album genesis genesis and it was phil's video of him going yeah. around while they were with a camcorder and they had an early version of just the music of that song and it was a little more abacabby and had the cp7 and i'm like oh that could have been actually you know there's some good parts in that song like dun 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 um you know some nice chords of the, but the whole song is just uh. I, I don't i'm not a fan of those joke songs anyway yeah 
Jesus, he knows me. We can't dance. I don't like that stuff at all. Uh, I, I think it just got too silly. And I don't mind, you know, I like the humor and feels very funny and everything and entertaining, but it just got too hokey and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just, I don't like those songs. Yeah. Um, and, and that one was particularly uh, very politically incorrect. <laughs> that one was rough. Yeah, 11% of the songs have that silly whimsy that uh, a lot of us seem to not like. So there it is. So uh, thanks for playing, Dave. All right. Well, you are now our reigning champion. I mean, I hope. Sure. <laughs> you may be our only guest in this game. So you could be the reigning champion for quite some time. So, Dave, before we talk about all the sci-fi that we've been watching uh, during last year's pandemic and this year's pandemic, uh, maybe uh, give us a little teaser of, of what's coming ahead uh, in the world of Dave Kersner. What, what do we have to look forward to? I have a um, bunch of live stuff that I'm uh, mixing in 5.1 and stereo and uh, Blu-rays and things like that, that I've, uh, that people have been waiting for. And I'm, I'm, I've been in the process of upgrading my studio with these kinds of things, this mixing console, just the acoustic panels and stuff. It's, it's like a whole, here, check it out. It's like a whole big, whoops. Yeah, your, thing your Instagram feed is, is, is wonderful for all that. Wow. wow. Yeah. Well, lately so, you've, been, you've been blessing us with the uh, studio porn from the new IK studio that you're creating. Yeah, and there's that studio as well. Which that looks like a done. church, though. That, that studio. Oh, uh, that studio is clean. And my studio, it's like, gear. <laughs> so it's kind of cool. Like, <laughs> I want to just be like, I have a clear head. And I'm mixing or mastering, or especially like kind of like this new approach I was telling you about, where I sort of treat my studio like it's Ad Vision or Sunset, where I have the band. I mean, I have a live room here when there is a band in there. Nice. But even if not, even if I'm overdubbing here, I, I run it through these are like consoles. This is like Trident Studios or Sunset. Mm. This is like. Uh, this is the lamb. This is what they used to Helios for the lamb was down Broadway. This is something yeah. that had an ad vision. So um, I capture the sound or even recapture the sound uh, after it's recorded, run it through this and come back and really get like use the analog stuff to the advantage and plugins. Of course, you know, IK Multimedia makes plugins. So I have all that stuff as well. Sunset Sound Studio Reverb recreates you know, all these cool tools and the facilities to do them. But that my philosophy is I get the sound here and then I'm going to either mix here, which I can, or mix at this clean, you know, simple, really well-treated studio without clutter and stuff and um, do the sort of Stephen Wilson approach there as if I had just been given the masters with the sound mm -hmm. as the band intended. Mm -hmm. And now your job at that stage is just to get a good balance and maybe put in some reverbs and a few things but like, so he's doing it. He's not re-engineering the whole thing. He's just getting a remix. And he said, you know, a well-made album, you, you just throw up the faders and 90% of it's there and you just got to kind of do your thing. And I, I like that, like as a, as a work, uh, a way to work in stages. So, um, but anyway, uh, I, I, it's made all that kind of change in approach has made me take a long time to get, things the way that I want in surround sound, especially as well as stereo, but I'm hell bent on surround, even though I know it's not like super popular or whatever, but it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier, where it's like, 
it's a niche genre and that's a niche format. And I'm all about niche. I'm all about <laughs> catering to the audiophiles and the progets who are like, I because I'm one myself. I buy all those Blu-rays with 5.1s and the deluxe edition. If it's an album I love, I, I want to buy the deluxe edition. I want everything that there is. Um, maybe not Pink Floyd marbles and scarves. I don't know if I need that particularly, but but like no, but I want the demos and I want the 5.1s and all that stuff. I love it. So that's what I want to offer. But to be able to offer that when you don't have Pink Floyd's budget is a challenge and i've managed to just a lot learn a lot of it myself even down to like encoding 5.1 myself and potentially Dolby atmos which i'm set up for yeah, uh wow. not at the moment but that's wow. part of it not not fully fully to the spec but enough to be able to check it out and understand it and maybe do those too but i'm, I'm not I'm, I'm just gonna do 5.1 for now uh dts master audio the quality because i done i had done um New World Live, and I had the company do the audio, and then some audio file people were like, "Oh, but you could have had the full resolution twenty four ninety scale on there. There was room." I'm like, "There was." I'm like these guys don't know, and then the guys that do know, it costs a fortune every time you want to do it, so you can't afford to do that for prog music. So the only way I could see being able to put out five point ones for every studio album I produce and every live album, which is my goal. It's just do it yourself, learn it all yourself. And so wow. it's been a learning curve. But huh. so th that's what it's leading to now. I'm going to catch up on some live uh, albums that people are expecting. Then I'm going to do all my solo studio albums and in continuum at 5.1, the studio nice. album eventually. And then there's the follow up in continuum album, which we're slowly working on because everybody lives in different parts of the world. And I don't want the pressure. I'm just like, well, it'll probably come out next year, but we are working on it this year. We've already started. Oh, cool. And, um, and, and then there's a lot of more co-writes on there too, because there's new material being done. And um, as opposed to the first two, we're mostly co-written as Sound of Contact songs mm. uh, for the second Sound of Contact album, co-written with the guys from Sound of Contact in some cases, even though those were the songs that were my main I was the main leader of those songs and the songs that Simon was the leader of came out on his solo record and Matt's will come out on his, but, um, but I've exhausted those songs. And then in fact, my new solo album, which will come out this year, exhausts all the, pretty much all the songs that were for, that were earlier than that for dimension out for that just didn't make it onto dimension out because it did fit. And, um, that's that album's filled to the brim. A lot of my albums or albums that I'm part of are, uh, so then that's it. It was kind of cool. Cause then I feel like, okay, I did those songs right and gave them a home and put them out there. And so now it's kind of exciting for in continuum. Cause I'm like, all right, it's not based on material I have with sound and contact. Now I can kind of, you know, send a track to Letitia and go, Hey, let's write a song cool. you know, or Gabriel or whoever. I don't, I don't really write with Gabriel as much, but like, you know, but especially Letitia, cause we co-wrote Eliana and we haven't really co-written mm -hmm. did that in 2012 actually. So oh, yeah. we have co-written a song since then. So it's kind of, there's one song that we call out that was kind of, it's really cool. And, you know, and then also like writing with Marco in mind, you know, or, or Nick DiBergilio, but Nick, Nick kind of plays like Simon, whereas Marco plays like Marco or Gavin Harrison, like more like the porcupine tree side. And I, you know, he's capable of doing so much. And I, I underuse him because the song 
you know, maybe was didn't have that in mind. I feel guilty giving him a four four song or something it's like. <laughs> you know, really, why do you get Marco? But you want Marco when you want, you know, some kind of crazy thing going on. Not not just for the novelty or the gimmick, but but like yeah, kind of yeah. take advantage of this lineup, which is an amazing, you know, cast of, of musicians and stuff, and then also kind Indeed. of just take the story where I want to take it. And uh, so yeah, there's that, and then there's the tribute albums. Uh, so I've got a pretty full plate, um, but I always do. But uh, with the pandemic, it's actually <laughs> a little easier because I'm in isolation and people yeah. want me to be. It's, it's usually the other way around. They're like, Dave, come on, man. Can you come out of your, your cave and like join <laughs> the human race? You know, and now they're like, stay in there. It's good. You know, don't come near me. <laughs> when, you, when you tour with Arc of Life, I'm going to be yelling at the end that your encore needs to be Acceleration Theory Parts 1 and 2. <laughs> that would be cool. I think there's a chance that, not that, but that, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's not, again, it's not up to me. I just have a vote, one-fifth vote, which is kind of cool, but I'm cool with that. Uh, but, like, I heard Billy and John been doing the interviews, but I heard them say, it's like, oh, maybe we'll do, like, one or two each of, of each other's projects and stuff. So, some a conspiracy song or something or a, a circus song or I don't know. Yeah. So if we did that, I don't think it would be out of the question for us to do one of the songs that I did with John Davison for in continuum perhaps, or sure. one of my solo songs with me singing, you know? Um, but again, it's, I'm really like easy about it. Easy going. Like I don't need anything like, Oh, I need to have my little spotlight moments. Like eh, if you want to give that to me, I will make use of it and it'll be fun and, and it'll be diverse if we're going to do that kind of a thing. And when you only have one album, it kind of makes sense because you only have that one album to play and you got to play some back catalog from somewhere. And yeah. it's not meant to be like a yes replacement because they're still in yes. So we'll do some yes stuff, probably a medley, Billy said, and that makes sense. They did one before with Circa. When Circa's first album came out, it was the same situation. Tony K, yeah. 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 So they did a yes medley and it was pretty damn good. I saw that actually. It was fun. It was like, oh yeah, that one, that one, that one. It's like you get to cover a lot. And one more. Um, is there a, uh, is there maybe <clears throat> later in 2021 or 2022, maybe on your calendar, there's, there's a couple of months blocked off or something like that? Or is it just kind of wait and see what happens at this point? Uh, no, it's a wait and see. Yeah. Especially because, well, first of all, like I'm working with Francis Dunnery and he wants me to fly up there to in New York where he lives uh, and or near, near New York and I'm like, or Pennsylvania. And I'm like, um, maybe I will do that. Cause we're also doing the landmines down on Broadway. So I, there's a Genesis tribute with Fernando and then I'm producing the whole landmines down on Broadway with an orchestra, Nick DiVirgilio, me, Francis Dunnery, Sweet. Steve Rothery's on it. Nice. It's I'm crazy. Sweet. This wow. is a Genesis year, definitely for for the tip of the hat factor. Um, but uh, to finish that, and he's gonna play guitar and sing a little bit on my new solo record, which has not been said before. So I'm saying that cool. for the first time now. Breaking and news. he was on New World, so it's kind of like the same cast, mostly of New World. No, but with the addition of Marco because he's on it, and. Um, I don't know if I'll have David Longden from Big Big Train on it again. I would love to because I think he's great. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's not, I'm not doing it like on purpose. It's just sort of like, oh, 
this person would be great for this. Let me ask them if they want to do it. Um, but uh, but that, that's how it was with Francis. I'm like, man, this 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 could really benefit from Francis vocally and guitar. So, um, you know, and I've helped him on his new album, which sounds great. And uh, you know, he's just so so nice. We're, we're, like, and he's he's a character. But I, I kind of get him. Like people don't get him. They're like, you know. It's offensive, and he's but he's got a sense of humor that's just raw, and I'm totally easy. I'm not uptight about things. All of us flying to get together as a band. I think we have to wait yeah, until yeah. you know. So, but it could happen anytime. But I think they were even talking about possibly playing a show. I think we might play a show before Yes would. I mean, it's just a guess, just because you know. I don't know. It's a bigger thing to get Yes to play a bigger show and everything. Since we're a smaller band that plays smaller venues, I think it might be a little easier to book a show. Nice. But I'm personally not in a rush to do it, but I kind of have to, I'm a team player, so I'll go where they tell me to go and whenever that is. So I just don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so with all that going on, how on earth do you have time to watch The Expanse twice? <laughs> twice. I'm actually on the last episode right now of the fifth season. Oh, my God. On your, like, second, I mean, on your second run, run through? Yeah. Gosh. Wow. Um, well, I binge. There's different things. Some stuff you can actually, like, I'm half watching the second time around. Like, sure. I'll stop when there's a really good scene. I'll be like, let me watch this. But then I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, all right. They're arguing about whatever. Yeah. So, sure. like, you know, and so I know where I can just. So there's some, like, visual editing that I can do um, on with the audio where I'm putting markers and I'm doing things, editing uh, visually, and, and I can listen in, in the background and then look, and I've got a TV here, and you know, I've made this little man cave like a fun place <laughs> to meet. It's not my home. So it's a real studio, but it's, it's um, in a building, but it's just kind of like, uh, you know, surround sound, a couch, and a, you know, what else do you need? Like a little kitchenette and, it's, and a big screen. But no, um, and then at home I watch it. Uh, it's... I mentioned this before just because I sometimes, you know, talk about these things on my Facebook because I think there's a definite connection between prog fans and sci-fi nerds. There's just kind of like, you know, yeah. I knew there would be people who'd want to talk about it. And I had actually even watched The Expanse because I saw people like Eric Nielsen and some other friends saying, oh, man, Anil Prasad. They're like, The Expanse is amazing. And I was like, really? I'm like, like one of the best sci-fi. And I'm like, all right, let me see about this. And I watched the first season, the first half of the first season, like Miller and, you know, particular and his squad of people. I was like, this is yeah. kind of like law and order in space. Like, I yeah. don't want to see the same, <laughs> the same things, but just in space, you know, the, the, like, like the typical things yeah. like humans, like we're going to uncover. But then I didn't. Re and then they're like, keep watching, keep watching. You don't know. And I'm it's, like, it's true, man. Because oh, I don't, I don't think sure. Joe or Ken have watched The Expanse. No, I, I watched most of season oh. one. In the last okay, three days. oh good. So Ken, so Ken, yeah. you're getting into it. So I mean, I've been like I've been talking about it for quite some time. But I would say the same thing. Like if it wasn't for the fact that I was stuck at home and I wasn't going out, and you know, I was watching two or three episodes each night, I don't know that I, I would have stuck with it at at, at first because I kind of had that same. At the beginning, you're like, okay, this is really cool, and we we talked we've talked at length in our discussions of like Star Wars of how 
you know, Star Wars is really annoying how they violate the laws of physics. And they do such an amazing job with that in the expanse. Um, I, I, you know, visually when the way the ships fly and, um, the, the way they maneuver through space, although there is a little season five, we got a little, little carried away with a couple of things, but, um, sometimes things don't make sense to me. They just look cool. Like they just kind of look like there's, they have gravity, but then as soon as they get shot, it's all no gravity. Yeah. Well, they're because you know, their uh, gravity batteries got blown up. But that's right. It's weird, but, <laughs> but the thing that's interesting is this, and I didn't realize that you guys didn't all see it in any way, like anybody viewing didn't necessarily see it. But I, I think it's worth seeing. A, you got to push yourself to plow through to like, got to get to like the middle of second season before you can really tell, even earlier than that, how good it really can be. And then the other thing is the second watch is so much better. Like Miller. I, I with Miller's like this character is like hey, you know forget about it you know yeah, yeah, he's yeah, from yeah. New York and he's in space and he's still got that and I'm like <laughs> this is ridiculous but then you realize later that's the point he's ridiculous and so when when you see I can't say what happens but when you see what happens then you love the guy and it's like oh no that's his thing he's just a quirky character but then what they do with what would otherwise be a typical like law and order character hey right. you know what we're gonna find a clue and i'm gonna tell you what happened it's like <laughs> you know like like they take that and all of a sudden miller is just i don't want to spoil it but miller is the best yeah. so you know and then when you watch rewatch it, you're like oh no i love the first season actually not as much but but like i'm kind of like oh it's building the character to fool you and thinking it's this other thing but now it's gonna flip it on its head really and by the time it gets to the third fourth season you're like yeah. what the hell happened oh my like gosh. it's just it evolves into this thing and season five is cool too it's a little different you know but season, uh yeah season five kind of has it, it's almost like that the two towers uh season where like all the main characters are off doing other things and and you know they're destined to come back together you just don't know how or when and, season four ended so cool i'm, I'm being very careful yeah. that you were like what happens next what are they what, right. what are they gonna uncover here you know, that scientist and everything. And then yeah. they're kind of slightly veered off with this other side story, um, which is also interesting and, and dramatic and whatever and cool. But uh, these, you know, the future uh, of, you know, mankind and, and the different planets living in our solar system. But um, but it's like, I, I feel like season six is going to be really cool. And I'm kind of bummed that there's more books and they may or may not do I the know. rest of them. I know. It, it's, it's like, you've got, an interesting unique premise mixed with and this is totally my kind of thing it's sort of like what i do with progressive rock music it's like a blend of something new and then a mix of like 2001 and all these other things that you like that are kind of like blade runner i mean there's a little bit of yeah, yeah, sci-fi yeah. influence on it but then it definitely has some things like the last uh, episode of season four they're like that's just weird and cool weird um <laughs> And so, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's worth it even just to see season three and season four through to the end. That, that's yeah. some good sci-fi. Uh, and the it's, effects are good, too. It's cool, too. And I never really thought about that, but you're right. Uh, to go back and watch it over again now and how much more enjoyable Miller would probably be. So Yeah, yeah also, sure. they're a little 
wordy and there's a lot of politics and a lot of stuff they're saying yeah. characters with weird names and you're like and weird accents like the belters and you're like huh like yeah I, and especially if you are trying to do something while watching you really have to pay attention but once you know what a well walla is and all these other things are <laughs> then you're like oh that's why well, i said that because and it, that it was sort of that was kind of because the belters like you, you kind of get introduced to like the belters slowly and one at a time and you're like you're like what's the deal with that yeah. accent like are like did and and it's so bizarre for such a while until until you get enough of them together and you're like oh i, I get it they're all belters and they all talk like that okay and it's <laughs> it's like a legit accent it's not like someone having a tough time trying to fake an australian accent with like a south african accent or something like that <laughs> it's, it's honestly though it's a little better than Star Wars prequels, but it borderlines on the kind of awkwardness of like Newt Gunnery, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's that guy that's part of the Newt Gunnery race who's like, sounds like a surfer dude. He's like, magnetize, dude. <laughs> and like, this, I don't know, dude. And then the other guy sounds Japanese, and you're like, oh, it's yeah, a little yeah. Tentative. And like, uh, and then Jar Jar, of course, means to think, oh, <laughs> like, like that's, and, and so there's a little bit of the Belters almost sound like Jar Jar sometimes, like, yeah, who would big doodle this time? And like, well, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's a little too affected, but at the same time, it's also kind of brilliant how they made this kind of mix of, I don't know, like, uh, what that would working class from different oh, yeah. yep. uh, cultures yeah. mixed together in the future, you know, yeah. might be, and then them revolting. And, and then like, they just sort of have these elements like, you know, boss mang. I don't know. It's a yeah. little offensive too, but because I'm like, when people, I don't like when people call me boss, you know, like, Hey, whatever you say, boss. And I'm like, it's, it's, is it respectful or is it like, kind of like, okay, whatever you say, boss, like right. you're the boss. And like, hey, yeah, I'm not yeah. trying to be the boss. I just want to fill up the tank in my car. Yeah, whatever you say, boss. I'm like, hey, man, yeah. like, I'm not here to. Right. But anyway, uh, yeah. But yeah. it's good. It's, I have very few complaints after seeing it through and then seeing it the second time. I'm kind of like, for a television series, it's pretty entertaining. And during a pandemic, it's like, yeah. I love binging shows. I would, I would not, I'm not the kind of person who could like wait each week on a cliffhanger. Yeah. I don't like, <laughs> well, I watch Breaking Bad also two or three times all the way through and after the whole thing was done right not that i, I just didn't know yeah. i kept hearing about it. Yeah. i'm like wow and i watch it i'm like i did not stop you know yeah. those are great cliffhangers yeah yeah but, that's great and that and that is tough too because i kind of criticized the mandalorian a little bit for this too but i think a lot of series are like that where you know you get to the end of one season and you're at this like massive cliffhanger and you're like all excited and then like the every the intensity drops at the first level the first episode of the next season and it's like <laughs> yeah. that whole season has to have its own arc of story and it's like you just want to pick up right right where you left off but i i watched season five of the expanse in like every wednesday when it came out because i had caught up before just before season five came out so it was um it was a little annoying having to wait you know Having yeah. to wait till Wednesday night. That's like it was. I was like it was like being twelve again. I, I was like, oh, it's Wednesday <laughs> night. The expanse is on. <laughs> well, also when you're waiting, because I did wait, like all of us did, pretty much <clears throat> for the Mandalorian to watch that. 
And then when there was like kind of like a filler episode with big spiders or whatever, you're like, yeah, exactly. and it's short. You're like, I waited all week for that. That's exactly my Whereas point. Yes. If you were, if you were like, that didn't take the story anywhere. So if you were binging it after it was done, you're kind of like, oh, I yeah, have some spiders. I think I'm going to go make some cereal, you know, <laughs> or grab a beer mm, during the spider yeah. scene or frog. Yeah. And you know, frog lady. I'm like, oh, I don't need to. I think I'm going to do some laundry during the frog lady <laughs> part. But then when it gets to the end, of course, you know, that yep. is some of the best Star Wars that there's been. Yeah. Uh, the end of the last season. And of course, now they're like, with all those teasers and everything else, like, it's, it's frustrating as a Star Wars fan because you're like, dude, how can you give us that? And then nothing for, you know, however long we have to wait. Mm. Uh, but, you know, th- there's, there's an art to that, too. I mean, in a way, we might be, we might complain now. And then later when they do 10 of them and you can't, they're all like too much. Yeah. And you might be like, please stop. You know, just pick one that's good and <laughs> make it good, like Mandalorian. And don't, don't try to, you know. Yes. Well, thanks to you. I'm, I'm watching Star Wars, Star Wars Rebels. What? So. Thanks to you, I'm watching Star Wars Rebels now, too. It's but, not but, that good, really. There's just a few <laughs> things they did with Darth Vader in it and, yeah, and, all and yeah. stuff that was like, okay, that's cool. But otherwise, I actually don't really like those Ezra and the, those characters. They're, I came in a little bit, but they're not as good. The Clone kind of Wars a, was pretty good. They're kind they're of annoying. Great. I'm trying to I'm trying to get to the to the parts where like Ahsoka's in it and uh yeah. you know they talk a little bit more about the the man. I'm trying to link some of the stories together. Um that show could be good. Rosario Dawson, if I said her name right. Yeah. She did a great job. Oh, uh, she was great. Yeah. Uh and Katie Sackhoff did a great job uh doing um that character, the Mandalorian character that she's yeah, we're we're, Katan, we're fans yeah. of hers, yeah, for sure. So there's there's potential. And you've seen um, the Battlestar Galactica reboot, Dave? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 She was like great it. in that. Yeah. Yeah. She was great. Yeah. It was interesting. I loved how they, they ended that. We won't spoil that either, but they finally got to the end because I think the original series just kind of got like um, uh, canceled yeah. before they finally, you know, yeah, got they to like where a, they go. They had like a Sunday night movie for like two hours when they finally got to Earth. and like. Oh, did they? Oh, yeah. I need to rewatch that, but it probably wasn't that good. It wasn't. They got there. They got there, and then the Cylons showed up and tried to blow everything up. And it was. It was. It was pretty uh, weird. I, yeah, I've got. I've got vague memories of a colonial viper like stashed underneath some tree branches or something, and all kinds of crazy stuff. I actually just started watching um, the original series. I haven't even made it through the 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 first disc, which I don't know if it was like a, a mini series or, or what it was. It's like three hours long, and. It's it's actually oh, yeah. it's a lot better than I remember. Like there was this one scene um, where Apollo just rips into his father, and I'm like, "Where was this? I have no recollection of this whatsoever." So I'm I'm kind of interested to uh, to, to and Rick Springfield's in it too. You know that? Yeah, Rick Springfield was oh he was terrible. That's Apollo's brother. Yeah, that just for a little bit. That whole oh. character was was just painful. But it's, I like the Cylons. You know, the, with the vocoder voice, and they look like little silver Darth, Darth Vader's. But um, George Lucas must have been pissed. But then he copied them back. Like, you know, that was Yeah, the exactly. Yeah, battle uh, droids. Where, and you know what's weird? They don't mention how much Star Wars borrows from Dune. There's even sandworms, man, let alone desert yeah, planets. Yeah. And wow. things. It's spice. There's spice <laughs> runners. I'm like, spice? 
Like, come on, man. I mean, I don't mind. I, I might be a hypocrite if I, but, uh, but you know, there's that. And then, um, in empire, they, they, they had the ships that the Cylons were in those disc ones. It was, they're kind of like that. And, and then eventually there was vocoder, you know, it was like, kind of like, yeah, those ideas are good. So, um, but that, you know, obviously Battlestar Galactica borrowed a lot from Star Wars, but I remember at the time as a kid, I loved it because I liked the look of those practical effects and those little model, mm, you know, yeah. ships yeah. and stuff and lasers, you know, and back then, you know, before you could really tell that it was fake. Um, it was kind of like seeing a Star Wars series back, back then. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but now there's huge potential and it really just comes down to the writing. Um, yeah. Favreau and Filoni did a great job with uh, Mandalorian. Not that it's perfect. It could have been, more story and stuff but overall it was entertaining and it was successful and rightfully so and promising but whether they'll have the same standard for the other action series we'll see i hope so mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. i thought yeah. I, I one quick thing about the silence i always thought they were badass back in the day but yeah but looking back you know i i, I haven't been able to reconcile the fact that it took three of them to, to fly one of those ships like you'd think machines would be a little bit more efficient right well yeah it's like three of them and uh yeah but then again um the whole sort of running joke with star wars is the stormtroopers miss all the time <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah terrible right. shot well wasn't it uh we said that cylons turned into black troopers or the black troopers were a ripoff of the cylons was that so so our, the, uh, the the dark troopers in the mandalorian are yeah. a definite ripoff of the centurions from the battlestar galactica reboot mm. yeah and also uh iron man because they're fabro and, and iron man. they're like little yeah. iron man right, little war yeah. machines or whatever that's like a combo as are the Mandalorians when they're flying around. It's like, you know, you're like, ah, oh, this is a little, but there's nothing wrong with that. That's kind of cool. You know, that's where he comes from. He's definitely got that down how to do all those things. Um, but yeah, although, but well, we can't talk about it, but like, well, we can talk about it without talking about it. Right. Or can we talk about yeah, it? We can, we can talk a little bit about, about it. it. Yeah. All right. All right. So when, um, you know, who our favorite character slices through those machines it was great because it was kind of like it it was showed you like what okay i'll say like what a jedi can do right. yeah versus yeah. the regular people they were all like oh yeah oh, we God, spilled all those machines. beans and the jedi's like machines yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. We, 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 <laughs> know, we completely spoiled this the like in one of the few cool things about the prequels was just how like the jedi were that not worried about those machines, yeah. the droids, right. the battle droids. They're like, please, you know. Um, and so that's how this was at the end of that. And it was, but so much cooler looking, you know. In fact, even the scene with um, uh, the young Don Jin, whatever his name is, Jin, Darn Jim, yeah, Don, whatever, as a kid, and they showed that battle droid like more realistically that was more menacing yeah because like the weird little voice they gave them too hi how are you it's like what are you giving the that <laughs> voice it should be some sort of scary cylon voice you know um and or darth vader you think but meanwhile when they showed that thing in that scene it was kind of like okay now you see the terror of something like that showing up in a town i like that 
you know, like kind of understanding. In fact, the original Star Wars series had this good where you're kind of like, you know, the typical sort of good versus evil thing, but where you're like, damn, Darth Vader's a dick. <laughs> like he's like, you know, like you have failed me for the last time. He'll freaking choke you from this uh, far away. And you're like, damn, it's ruthless. <laughs> and everyone was like, gulp. Uh, I'm going to take personal responsibility. Well, apology accepted, asshole, you're dead. <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, but then, you know what I mean? So you built up this kind of like, he's evil. And, um, but it, so it, in the prequels, they sort of made like the droids to the battle droids, not scary at all. They're too silly and kind of like, whatever. Right. And so there was no, like, whereas uh, in, in the Mandalorian that they showed how I think they should have showed him, which is like, these things are a problem. They come in and they're just these machines, um, you know, they're going to be hard to beat. But then that shows you the dynamic of just how powerful a Jedi is. They had a little bit of that, but I think that, you know, it just kind of shows you how that they did a better job within the Mandalorian, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, and and you were talking about you know what happens if they have you know ten different series and none of them are any good, you know I, I've made the point several times when we were talking about the Mandalorian that you know if if they keep producing material of the quality of the Mandalorian I'll be happy, but if if they start to dilute that quality out then we're going to have a different conversation. I mean I suppose you can just ignore shows just like with albums. People don't understand that. Yeah, getting back to that. Yeah. Yes, and Arc of Life. It's yeah. kind of like some people complain. like, dude, you don't like it. You don't have to buy it, but other people do like it. And sometimes people want to just kind of like complain or whatever. But like, like there's this cartoon called The Resistance. No one talks about it. We just ignore it. It's like, what the hell is that? Don't even worry about it, man. It's like <laughs> the kids or, or Legos or whatever. I don't. But, um, and even like, generally speaking, I'm not into cartoons, but I sort of, well, we talked about this before. Where I was yeah. like, all right, I'll, I'll watch Clone Wars. I'm like, all right, it is pretty good. Uh, it has its moments and uh, same thing with rebels to a lesser extent. Um, so, but with the live action, it's even more sort of like, okay, that's kind of like what everyone wants. Now it's just a question of, is it going to be well done and keep your interest and be cool stories and cool characters? Um, and, or is it going to be watered down? I mean, if they have 10 shows, I think they're overdoing it. It kind of scares me. Like, I think the likelihood of them all being up that standard is probably unlikely, yeah. but uh, but like, even if let's say Ahsoka was good and the Obi-Wan was good, and, you know, but I, you kind of want Lando to be good too. And they should have done a solo one, but maybe Lando will sort of be the soul. I don't know. And, um, and the, and the uh, Boba Fett one, it's kind of like, well, those have to be good. And then if like, let's say the, the, the guardians of the Republic, whatever the hell that thing is like, right, I have right. no expectation. If that's bad, I don't really care. I, mm. There's only so many shows. I don't really, I'm not a big television person anyway, normally, but yeah, I, I like to fun. select what I watch. And I, I do like, to me, like the series, when you, especially when you binge, it's like watching a big long movie yeah. or something. Yeah. So, like Lord of the Rings, I watched, uh, it, it's a pandemic. So, I watched the extended version <laughs> of The Hobbit and The you know, Hobbit. coming full circle, The Hobbit shit, by the way. The Hobbit <laughs> series and the Lord of the Rings extended after I watched the Lord of the Rings non-extended first because it was just on my um, wow one of my channels that I subscribed to. I'm like, oh, all right, I'll watch this. And then I was kind of like, yeah, I'm getting into it. And then I'm like, you know what? 
I'll start over and just rent or whatever the, or buy the the Hobbit extended one. And then after that, I was like, all right, I'll watch, I'll watch the Lord of the Rings extended one now. Wow. And I'm like, you know, so I got the full on That's thing. some serious watching because the Lord of the Rings, it's like each one is like four and a half hours, isn't it? The, the extended one, yeah. yeah. But I didn't mind because, again, that was early when the pandemic started. It was okay. kind of like, look, yeah. you know, you're doing society as service by staying home, yeah. being isolated. And so if you're going to do that, Make some popcorn. There you I go. mean, it's cool if you have, I live alone, so it's a little bit like, I mean, I don't mind, you know, actually like sometimes watching, I'd rather watch something alone than with somebody who's, you know, like asking too many questions or, <laughs> you know, like not interested. We're all in touch. Like, we all know what you mean. getting it. Like, yeah. this is long. Like, <laughs> you're like, go in the other room. Uh, but, uh, but still, it would be kind of fun to watch with, you know, some friends or a girlfriend or whatever, but. You know, you can't plan a pandemic. Uh, so I just, I've got my little cat, Chewy the Frog Cat. That's right. Yeah. Who just peed on my pillow, though. Oh, <laughs> oh no. I've the dog house and the cat out wow. at the moment. I'm not thrilled. But What um, did you do? He doesn't like you spending so much time in the man cave, I guess. I maybe, or I think he might be at an age where he's bar- marking his territory. Oh. oh I didn't get him fixed. <laughs> and I should have, or maybe I will, like, it's if it's not too late, because... It's a. I don't think there should be more cats. There's already a problem with too many cats anyway. Although more Chewies because he is a great cat. Apart from that one little flaw. Yeah, apart from being on the pillow, you know, it's. (laughs) Yeah, it's not the first time either. Uh, But he has done in a while. But when he was a kid, he was like, "Where's the litter box? I think I'll just go on this pillow." And it's kind of like, "No, we like." But I found out the hard way. Cause I laid down on the pillow and I'm like, oh, oh no, no. Oh, <laughs> like, and this was like late at night last night because I was fixing the freezer. I'm like, this I'm not having a good night at all. I slept like two hours last night. I was like, how am I even going to do this interview? But somehow I got the energy. But like, yeah, like a pillow of piss. I, 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 I it's a new new album title. Actually. <laughs> uh, I was like, this sucks. Like, you know, but. Then again, you know, it's like he doesn't know, and that's just that's what they do, and you know, it could be worse. And so I just, uh, you know, threw it out. Pillows, there's no coming back from cat piss no, on pillows. You can't, you can't say not. that. I tried. I tried. I had these <laughs> other sort of like couch pillows, and I washed them like ten times. I'm like, you still smell a hint of it. And when they smell it, you know, they're like, oh, that's that's I mark. That's my place well, that's, now. That's, I, that's I my new litter box. No, it's not. It doesn't exist anymore. It's in the garbage. We're starting it over again. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cat piss in Florida heat. <laughs> not good. No, we have air conditioning. It's not that bad. If the air conditioner broke with cat piss in Florida yeah. heat, I might seriously be depressed. But uh, Time to move. This was easily solved. Um, you know, <clears throat> well, we 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 hope we hope Chewy the Prog Cat uh, grows out of this awkward phase of his and uh, stops peeing on pillows. He's just being a cat. He's just spraying his territory. He doesn't know. He's just kind of like, I think it's time that I kind of let people know that this is my spot and I'm claiming that pillow. I'm like, no. <laughs> like I normally would like to put my head on that thing and it'd be nice <laughs> to me. But the worst part is like I didn't know. I thought it was him because he jumped on top of me. So I laid down. He jumped. I'm like, you smell like cat piss. I'm like, wait. Do you smell like cat piss? Do I smell like cat piss? Somebody smells like cat piss. I'm like, get the pillow. I'm in it. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> like, 
This is not cool. Oh, God. Oh, the God. joys of pet ownership. I love it. <laughs> you know, we went from like, yes to cat piss and everything in between. Everything yeah. in between. This yes. is like a bonus to the bonus of the bonus edition. <laughs> it's always an adventure when you're on the show, Dave. You know, we just <laughs> buckle up and go for a ride. It's fantastic. Yeah, good deal. Yes, indeed. Yeah, last time it if was this was on the Expanse, you could see the cat piss in gra- zero gravity. Yeah, like, hey, little hey, bubbles. <laughs> airlock, airlock that thing. And the pillow, everything. Just space it. <laughs> uh, and the cat. No, I'm That's spectacular. <laughs> so I spacing the cat you know, just for a minute so he can understand. You know, like this is not okay, right? <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay, I'll do that. I won't do that anymore. I understand. Spacing, I get it. <laughs> I, I don't think after we've gotten to cat piss on pillows, I, I don't think there's anywhere else we can go tonight. So <laughs> no. <laughs> Although I will tell you one funny thing that ties in, believe it or not, oh, piss and yes. With Kevin Gilbert, he had a great sense of humor. And for fun, because we all love progressive rock, but we played his songs and stuff. Um, we had this moment in the, uh, to just with Russ Parrish, who was in the band Nick to Virgilio, who, um, and also Toss, and, Toss Panos. And, but uh, Russ is Satchel in Steel Panther. But he's got a work oh, sense of humor. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, that's funny. He was a guitar player in the band. We used to do this thing called Piss Yes. And Piss Yes was basically. You would play something like, let's say, uh, Long Distance Runaround or whatever. You'd play it the right, correct timing, but all the wrong notes. It's like... <laughs> and it was oh, just like, great. we just laugh our asses off. Like, <laughs> you know, but it's never... I don't think we ever did it live. We should have. People would not understand that there'd be like two people in the audience yeah. just dying laughing. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. yes i love it so um dave before we before we head out um you know and and i'm i'm always bad about this but um you know do we want to plug where people can find your stuff i think you already plugged your your band camp page um you know where where can where can people find out more about uh dave kersner arc of life all the rest of it well my life as you can tell is a combo, a bit of a comedy and a drama. Yeah. More comedy than I'd like. But uh, <laughs> so one of the comedic things is the whole, I take all this stuff and it's like, whatever, rolls off me like Capus in a, on a rainbow. <laughs> but uh, my, my website was, was, is hijacked and. Oh, by uh, the other Dave, Dave Kersner Dave, musician, right? No, 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 no. No. Uh, just the, what happened is um, the email from the company that, is the registrar for my for my domain davekersner.com the email didn't get to me that it was expiring oh no and it's a good note to self if you if it's your name and you want just pay for it for the next 10 years or 20 years whatever yeah. you know because it's so a mine expired after three years or whatever and i didn't know and then it went up for auction and now it's a a, a gambling site in new guinea davekersner.com oh my god <laughs> what go there. yeah like somebody bought it just because there was uh, enough traffic to be oh. worth it, and they they uh, they auctioned, and I was bidding for it, and I got outbid for my own website. Oh it's my called God. squatting, and I could go after them, but I don't I don't really even know how. So I just got davekersnermusic dot com. So to answer your question, davekersnermusic dot com, <laughs> unless you like gambling, uh, but uh, in New Guinea, but uh, you know that's funny. It's just typical, and um, whatever, and. Um, 
sonicelements.bandcamp.com. And then, of course, yep. you know, that's where you can buy direct and you get a higher quality audio download and you can buy CDs and T-shirts and merch and stuff. And then, you know, there's just Google different things and, and uh, you know, sound of contact you can get through uh, Inside Out and, and the retailers that sell that. And, you know, certain things are available through, you know, Amazon or iTunes and all that stuff. It's just, it, and it's all good. I mean, There's I do nothing. appreciate it when people buy direct when you can, but yeah, I'm just happy that people buy music at all. Actually, I'm impressed, you know, when people do that. Sometimes people are like, When's, why is your album not on Spotify or, you know, some streaming service? I'm like, sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not because, you know, you really, they, a lot of people don't know or not everyone knows that uh, the artists get paid very low royalties yeah. for the streams. You know, right. it, it works if you're like, have millions of streams and you're a pop artist but prog artists and indie rock and stuff it's it's not a good uh business model uh at least not for earning a return on your investment in the album so um i'm grateful that people buy the album wherever they're comfortable buying it as long as it's from not like an actual bootleg site right uh <laughs> where none of the money goes to the artist and all goes to them they didn't do any of the work yeah so if, if you get a dave kersner um uh, product that's in a jewel case. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Just, I don't really like jewel case. I like digi packs and like those uh, wallets that because they remind me of vinyl, like a little vinyl mm -hmm. pack with yeah, a yeah, gay yeah. fold. And they're kind of just. I don't know. I like it, and it's and it's probably better. The world doesn't really need more plastic. No, does not. Mm -mm. Dave, are you gonna are you gonna buy the the Union thirty disc thirtieth anniversary? <laughs> uh <laughs> It, I'm still trying to figure out if it's official or if it's a bootleg. I don't know. It looks kind of like they, it did announce, so I guess it is official. Um, it's, it looks like there's the a lot Union of bootlegs tour. on it, though. I saw the U Union tour, which was a lot of fun. Um, I love all those guys. I'm one of those Yes fans who yeah, yeah. loves them all. I don't know how to pick sides. But it's kind of like, and um, but no, I don't really need that. Um, yeah. You know, I didn't buy this, but I would have bought. Oh, wait, maybe I did. I think Jeff gave it to me. The. Uh, was Were those Oliver Wakeman songs with. Did they come with the live? Was it with Tales of Drama or no, Drama? No, no. It was. It, there, there was. There was a, a combo. EP? There was a combo. I forget where I got it from, but you could get from a page and. Burning Shed. Yeah, it was Burning Shed. You're right. It was it was um so the, the new one with Oliver and then there was the the live show with Benoit David. And I actually wanted both of those, so it was it was perfect for me to to get I would have got something like that. You know, like that's that stuff's a little more interesting than like, you know, thirty thirty shows of an album. It's not really that's not my thing. I'm not I'm not that deep as a fan, but you know, like but I would buy um I don't think I own all of them. Well, maybe I do. I have most of them, but like any any five point one, I, I do like those Stephen Wilson remixes and stuff. Um, I'm, I'm I'm into that, and any of the ones King Crimson uh, ELP. Actually, uh, Keith gave me a couple of ELP ones and signed to me that are just treasured. You know, just for that alone, and let alone the fact that I just like the surround sound versions of albums. That's that interests me more than let's say tons of live shows but that said if it's a well-mixed live show i you know there's a bunch of genesis stuff i mean when i i've worked at the studio uh a bunch and 
you know, I'm very honest, so I would never take anything or, you know, that I'm not, that's not allowed uh, to be given. Of course, I've, I've asked a few times, like, can I get the, uh, the multi-tracks for the Lamas down on Broadway? No. <laughs> just curious, just curious, you know, but like I'm sitting there and it's probably right there in front of me. I'm like, no, uh, but, um, but in fact, one time when I was there, um, uh, Jeff Collingham, uh, the tech there and, and Dale Newman, who was working there at the time and worked with Jess for a long time, they were tasked at that time to archive all the stuff that they had on multi-tracks. And there's, there is a treasure trove mm. of stuff. But, you know, sometimes those things don't get released because someone in the band doesn't like their performance uh, or um, like, you know, Peter Gabriel redid his performance on the Shrine Lamb show, which is kind of a neat novelty. But huh. like that probably wouldn't have happened unless he was like, right, I need to redo that. I'm like, OK, uh, but like they don't always want to redo it. And they, they also said I asked and they said they don't want, you know, they don't want to look like they're milking. And, and you know, the irony is this union thing looks like milking at 35 CDs and a, yeah. you know, the whole thing. But I think in general, it's, it's, some people might criticize that, but I think the fans are kind of like, no, 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 milk it, milk it. Yeah, milk yeah. it all you want. We want, you know, you can buy it or not buy it, but I'd, I'd rather than put all the shows out for the option uh, personally. And also the other thing I said, I'm friends with Nick Davis. So Nick Davis is the guy who remixed Genesis and all that stuff. And he co-produced some of the S records. I'm sorry, Genesis records. Yeah. And um, and he, so when he and I, I visited there at the studio when he was mixing Mama, and um, and surround, and he was mixing those all those box sets. And then when I listened, and, and they gave me the box sets, which was really nice too. Another one of those things that's kind of like I would have bought them anyway, but it was special that they gave yeah. me. And, and Tony wow. Banks gave me all of his solo records now, signed to me, wow. thanking me for helping him and stuff. And to me, that's just like, ah, oh, this is sweet, this is sweet. cool. Sweet. Like the little kid in me is proud that I was able to help my heroes. But um, the uh, the box set, so sometimes every once in a while, there's technically like a mistake in that there's something you're hearing that's not on the original. And I talked to Nick about this, Nick Davison. I said, you know, I hear this thing. Is there, was there a difference? He's like, I mean, did you intend to do that? He's like, no, that's a mistake. He said, like, the, the goal is actually to get it to sound exactly like the original, yeah, but he's yeah. doing so many of them that sometimes a mistake will slip through. And I'm like, I actually prefer to hear a mistake first. You know, like, <laughs> I have the original. And in some, most of the cases, the original mix was fine. And sometimes, it, like, you know, seconds out, remakes, has got a little more balls and the few things that, that are improved. But overall, it's kind of like, for the studio albums, personally, I would love to hear, like, the versions with different lyrics, the fade, before it got faded out, there's cool stuff going on right, there yeah, or whatever. Yeah. I think some of the fades were different on the, on the remixes. And you're like, hey, there's a little more going on there. And it's like, so, but I, and I said that, I think, and I said, you know, that would be kind of a cool thing. He's like, yeah, but... They probably wouldn't want to do that because it just looked like they're just milking it and over overdoing it just for things that they weren't intending. And this and that. I'm like, well, okay. But I try to suggest through my connection with them those kinds of things. But there's labels and all these things that they're just kind of like, whatever we get, it's like we're going back to full circle, back to the original. But any of these bands have been around for decades. It's kind of like, Whatever we get, we're lucky to get. And some yeah. of them, it's it's like if you do want it, 
you do have to buy it before they're out of them. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes that happens. You're like, damn it. I should have got it. They're sold out and they're not going to press it again. It's too esoteric. So, uh, yeah. Like this, uh, the union thing, I'm sure when they're out of those, that's done. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, but I, it's just not something I need, but I'm, I'm kind of glad to do that and all the other stuff they've been doing. It's a cool idea, but yeah, I mean, I, I saw the show twice. I don't, I don't need to relive it 28 more times. Um, off the board of wherever they were, but like I, I, de- but I, what I was, when I was looking through it, I could definitely see like, you know, it, it had occurred to me back then to go see them in Long Island and go see them at, at Madison Square Garden and then go see them at Philly, and you can do that because you're you have a recording of each show, you know, on like you know, the yeah. Days. So I mean, yeah, I so there that. is there is that kind of. I mean, yeah, if you've been to a bunch to of shows, there's that fun thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's a little more for the completist, uh, yeah. which is fine. I love that there's, you know, prog fans out there that are into that stuff. And there's a little anvil case and there's all those things. And yeah, like, yeah. for me, I always think about even at my level, uh, which is not at the level of yes, but I have, you know, a fan base who probably buys those things too from those bands. And I try to come up with, cool packages of things that are like, you know, fun to spend money on. Because to me, when I grew up, uh, you know, like any money I earned, most of it I spent on music because it was fun to buy an album or a vinyl or whatever, open it up and look at it and read it and stuff. And, and, uh, or, and I collected bootlegs too. Um, You know, in fact, I used to go to stores that record stores that you'd thumb through and you go, they got a bootleg here. That would be like my favorite store. As long as it wasn't a ripoff of the studio album that you could buy. It was something extra, yeah. like a, yeah. you know, Led Zeppelin bootleg or some a live show or whatever it was. The Mouth of the Monster, I had all these Genesis bootlegs. Yeah, so I don't know. I think it's kind of cool. The other thing that's cool, and I guess Crimson did this, and it's sort of like, and I guess that's what this yes thing is. If, if they actually get the money, which I hope they do, is an official bootleg kind of a thing. Yeah. Where it's like, look, people are going to trade this and sell it or whatever anyway so you might as well cash in on it you know yourself instead I mean, of other people making i don't like that you know where other people are making right. money off of the band uh, billy's band. smart that way he released the vegas show not that long ago but uh yeah yeah good call on that yeah i also like by the way i'm a talker uh i like <laughs> that yes is cool enough to release these things, I have a lot of respect for them, you know, for Steve Howe and Jeff Downs and everybody to just be like, yeah, 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 go ahead. Like they had to get permission, I think, for like the Oliver Wakeman stuff to be released. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like right. some of that kind of stuff in bands you never hear because right. of the band politics and like he's yeah. not in the band anymore. And it's kind of like they're like, all right. Like they let him do his thing. Like, all right, you got your, you got the handle on thing and you're going to take it to the finish line and it's a yes related family thing. Go for it. And actually, I wish that, uh, not that it matters, but like that they were a little bit more friendly with the whole sort of ARW thing and encouraging to just say, yeah, if you guys want to do a yes thing too, go for it. And they all do it under, the, but it's not quite that. But at least there was little hints of, and, and even this union thing is kind of like an interesting thing for the current yes to give the okay to this uh, for the whatever anniversary is of it. Yeah. It's kind of like, Cool. Yeah. Something new released with John Anderson and Rick Wakeman and all these other guys on it. Yeah. And Raven. 
So there's that. That's why I like what Oliver Wakeman did. It's like, oh, cool, man. You took it to the finish line. And I respect everyone else, the management, everybody else who said yes to that happening, despite any, you know, and Jeff Downs, you know, it'd be like, Oliver Wakeman is not in yes anymore, did this thing. And some people are going to say it's great and it's better or whatever. And he's like, totally cool with it. Jeff Downs, you know, hats yeah. off to, to him. Yeah, he doesn't get oh, enough yeah. credit for these kinds of things of yeah. coolness. But, um, and so, yes, but, uh, if it happens and it's natural, like if John came to me and he's like wanted to do something, I, I'd be all over it. Do I need to approach him and bother him? I mean, I might, I could potentially, but um, you know, like with John Davison, there just seems to be this kind of affinity. You know, he wants to work with me, and even with Ray Wilson, it's kind of like I really like Ray Wilson. I think he's great. Mm. But he's a fan of, of my music, like mm. he said. He's like, I really like it, you know your stuff, whatever. And it's like, I'd work with you, you know. And I was like, all right, all right. And same thing with Steve Hackett. So it's not, you know, he, he really genuinely enjoys playing on my songs and, and working with me. So it, it's if that, you know, that's more important, the desire and doing it for the love of it, than paying them a certain amount of money to get their name on it or... Yeah you know, bothering them till they go, all right, fine. You know, it's like, it, it, <laughs> it, it's like if there's just that love of wanting to work together, then whether it's Fernando or John Davison or whoever, Steve Hackett is kind of like, that's the most important part. And then, it, and then the second thing is what do they do that? So those, all those people, it's not just that they're somebody famous or well-known or whatever but they do a thing that's like when you want steve hackett remember as a kid i my big my favorite guitarists were gilmore steve howe and steve hackett and when i put an ad the paper i was like influences those three you know ideally and then to actually work with one of them i'd love to work with all three but i work with one of them it's like well when you want something that steve hackett would do it doesn't get any better than steve hackett and, right, or, right. you know, John Davison, if you want someone to sing up in that range, you know, he's just been really easy to work with to do that stuff. So I like to work with people that, that I, it's really easy to work with. But, you know, again, if Peter Gabriel or Gilmore or Roger Hodgson or, or John Davison wanted to work with me, I'd be there in a second. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Who would but oh, so, man. Right, right, right. Outstanding. Good answer. All right. I'm going to uh, <laughs> no. I'm going to close this down before we exhaust all of our possibilities because you know, Dave, we need to leave open avenues for the next time you're on the show. <laughs> and give other people things to talk and about. And give other people We just said what every about. prog person wants. If John Anderson and Peter Gabriel want to work with me, okay, that's done. <laughs> that's that anyway. uh, so he took them all. So <laughs> So if, if you have any thoughts about uh, Dave and his music, including Arc of Life, or any of these prog fantasies that we've covered, or any of these sci-fi <laughs> topics that we've covered tonight, or if you have any experiences with cat piss on your pillow, we encourage <laughs> we encourage you to reach out to do. us. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are at Progpala on all of those, or search for Progressive Palaver. You're also welcome to email us. Our email address is progpala at gmail.com. Com. Progressive Palaver is available for subscription and download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, um, Pandora, or presumably wherever you find your podcast. And we are, as always, hosted on SoundCloud. So until next time, thanks for listening.